Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer. I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said... Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hey everybody, it's AG and welcome to Refried Beans, where we play an episode of the Daily Beans podcast from the same week, either one, two, or three years ago, so we can see how far we've come. So please enjoy this episode from days gone by and note the date in the intro. Refried beans, I like refried beans. That's why I want to try fried beans, because maybe they're just as good and we're we're wasting time. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, February 15th, 2023. Today, Jack Smith wants to pierce Evan Corcoran's attorney-client privilege using the crime fraud exception. VP Pence is expected to use the speech or debate clause to weasel his way out of testifying. The Department of Justice has reason to believe Boris Epstein is influencing witnesses. Dianne Feinstein will not seek another term in the Senate. And three are dead and five are critically injured in yet another mass shooting, this time at Michigan State University. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hey, everybody, it's AG. Dana had to change her travel plans last minute and is out today, but she'll be back tomorrow. So I hope you'll be the Huey Lewis to my news and be happy to be stuck with me. That was my attempt at a Ted Lassoism. Also, I will be on ABC Sunday morning in Australia this Sunday. I'm looking forward to that. 
And Dianne Feinstein has announced her retirement from the Senate at the end of her current term, which expires in 2024. Among those seeking her seat are Reps Katie Porter and Adam Schiff. Nancy Pelosi's office has said she would endorse Adam Schiff in the event of Dianne Feinstein stepping down. Also, less than a day after a shooting rampage that killed three Michigan State University students and critically injuring five more, details about the lives of the victims and gunmen are surfacing. The gunman, who I will not name here, killed three students, according to authorities. Ariel Anderson, remembered as a straight-A student. Alexandria Werner, a three-sport high school athlete. And Brian Fraser, who led his fraternity and was called a great friend. The gunman faced a felony weapons charge in 2019 for carrying a loaded firearm without a concealed weapons permit, but ultimately pled to a misdemeanor. If he had been convicted of the felony, he would have been barred from legally owning a gun. When will it be enough? I can't stop asking that, especially in the face of people like George Santos handing out AK-47 pins to Republican members of the House of Representatives. All right, we have a lot of news to get to today. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. The speech or debate clause, which is contained in Article 1, Section 6 of the United States Constitution, provides, quote, The senators and representatives shall in all cases accept treason, felony, and breach of the peace be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going to and returning from the same and for any speech or debate in either house. They shall not be questioned in any other place. The speech or debate clause privilege is not confined to speeches or debates on the floor of Congress, though. Instead, the central question is whether the activity of the member falls within the sphere of legitimate legislative activity. If it does, the member, quote, shall not be questioned in any other place about those activities since the prohibitions of the speech or debate clause are absolute. Moreover, in determining the scope of legitimate legislative activity, the Supreme Court has always read the speech or debate clause very broadly to effectuate its purposes. Those purposes are rooted in history. The Speech or Debate Clause has its most immediate origin in the English Bill of Rights of 1689, which was written in large measure to ratify the results of the Glorious Revolution of 1688. The English Bill of Rights strengthened the position of Parliament in relation to the Crown and in an end toward which Parliament had been moving for hundreds of years. The earlier struggles of Parliament to act independently from the English Crown were hard fought, often at the risk of the members' lives and fortunes. As the Supreme Court pointed out in the United States v. Johnson, behind these simple phrases of the speech or debate clause lies a history of conflict during which successive monarchs utilized the criminal and civil law to suppress and intimidate critical legislators. During the struggle of Parliament against the English Crown, the confidentiality of parliamentary affairs was one of the sharply contested issues. Sir John Eliot, whom one scholar has called the first of England's parliamentary statesmen, was charged with seditious speeches in Parliament and contempt against the King in resisting adjournment of the House of Commons. Apparently, at the direction of King Charles I, Eliot and his alleged co-conspirators were committed to the Tower of London, where Eliot later died from the effects of his imprisonment. In defense of his actions, he wrote The Apology for Socrates, in which he contended, if he had yielded, quote, all the secrets of the Senate must be subject to the judges, the most intimate counsels of that conclave obnoxious to their censure. 
Elliot and his fellows opposed the jurisdiction of the court to inquire into their behavior and refused, as a matter of principle, to plead on the merits. The English court then held against them. Holdsworth later said, quote, there's no doubt that the court was wrong on that issue because the House of Lords reversed the decision on the merits in 1668. Parliament again opposed interference with its legislative role in December 1641. Charles I had objected to a bill being considered by Parliament, but the entire body answered by saying that the king, quote, ought not to propound any condition, provision, or limitation to any bill or act in debate or preparation in either House of Parliament. Parliament thus recognized the critical importance not only of its freedom to pass bills, but also its freedom to investigate and consider the facts pertinent to legislation. These English struggles, with which the founders of the American Republic were well familiar, are the historical underpinnings of the speech or debate clause. The framers of the Constitution wanted to ensure, quote, the legislative function the Constitution allocates to Congress may be performed independently. The clause is thus a critical part of the separation of powers doctrine adopted in the Constitution, unquote. Now, the immunity provided by the Constitution has been pragmatically broadened by the Supreme Court beyond its historical origin, in light, quote, of the manner in which a modern legislative system operates, unquote. Thus, while Parliament based its claim of privilege on its role as the High Court of Parliament, the American Congress has based its claim on the functional importance of the separation of powers as defined by the Constitution. The Speech or Debate Clause exists not for the personal benefit of individual members of Congress, but to preserve the integrity of the whole political system. This is critical. Quote, the privilege was not born primarily of a desire to avoid private suits, but rather to prevent intimidation by the executive and accountability before a possibly hostile judiciary. And it's the speech or debate clause that former Vice President Mike Pence intends to invoke to fight special counsel Jack Smith's subpoena for his testimony before the federal grand jury. Pence's legal team will argue that as president of the Senate, Pence is a member of the Senate and cannot be compelled to testify under the speech or debate clause. But there are some inherent problems with his defense. The obvious argument being made by experts on mainstream media outlets is that because Pence's role in the counting of electoral votes is ministerial, he's simply not a senator and can't invoke speech or debate. Also, Asha Rangappa points out, what defines a senator? You got to be elected. You got to be paid as a senator. He's not. The Department of Justice has been arguing in cases where they charge obstructing an official proceeding that the January 6th electoral vote count is an official proceeding, but is Pence's role in that proceeding a legislative one? Experts say likely not. Now, for me, an argument I think the Department of Justice should make against Pence being considered a senator for the purposes of speech or debate is that there's no remedy to check him. If that's the case, there's no remedy. Although the legislator's privilege is absolute, protection against abuse of that privilege is afforded in two ways. First, members of Congress may be disciplined by their respective houses pursuant to Article 1, Section 5 of the Constitution. The House or Senate may either censure or expel a member. Those are the protections against the abuse of privilege of the speech or debate clause privilege, and they don't exist for Mike Pence as president of the Senate. He can't be expelled from the Senate, nor can he be censured by the Senate as a member of the Senate. That removes those checks on that privilege. Further, we know thanks to Lindsey Graham and U.S. v. Nixon that legislative privilege must yield to criminal prosecutions and investigations. So, 
while this is a much better legal argument than the executive privilege argument that he made to try to get out of and actually successfully get out of his January 6th committee testimony, I don't think Pence will prevail here. But this will delay the proceedings, which may be the goal. And as a matter of fact, this might be a case the Supreme Court is more willing to hear. We have seen in the past when these privilege issues come up, for executive privilege, the Supreme Court's like, we're not even hearing that. Biden has the privilege. Get out of my face. They don't even take it up. But this is a pretty novel argument. The Supreme Court might take it up. That would delay it longer. So this choice for this defense might have been made in part on how long it could delay Jack Smith's investigation. Andy McCabe and I will discuss the legal ramifications of this on the next episode of Jack, as well as the next story from the New York Times, which is reporting that Jack Smith has filed a motion under seal with Judge Beryl Howell, chief judge of the D.C. District Court. She's also overseeing grand jury proceedings. This filed motion under seal is asking her to compel Evan Corcoran to answer questions where he invoked attorney-client privilege during his last testimony, and they want to do this using the crime fraud exception. That means Jack Smith has evidence that Corcoran, or someone he was communicating with, broke the law in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. My beans are the same as they've always been, that Corcoran, Bob, and Donald probably participated in a conspiracy to obstruct justice when they drafted and signed that letter stating there were no additional documents with classified markings on the premises. We knew that when a judge signed off on a search warrant. There has to be evidence of crimes to get a search warrant. And it just wouldn't be the New York Times without a buried lead. We learned from this reporting that Jack Smith is asking people with knowledge about Boris Epstein influencing the testimony of some witnesses. That is also obstruction of justice, could be suborning perjury, possible witness intimidation, all very serious crimes. So listen to the Jack podcast this Sunday with me and Andy McCabe for more in-depth discussion on these legal issues. Lots of big news coming out. The special counsel is really, really ramping up the pace here. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of folks are wondering why none of this happened before. It, it, it should have happened sooner. I, I concur. I wanted a special counsel a year and a half ago. But we also have to remember that you can't subpoena Mike Pence until you've subpoenaed everyone who talked to Mike Pence or had electronic communications with Mike Pence or text messages with Mike Pence or worked in or around Mike Pence's office. You have to get all of their phones and documents and testimony first. You, you, you don't bring in Pence without the evidence backing up the questions that you're going to ask him. Because we know you don't ask questions of a witness in front of a grand jury that you don't already have the answers to and already have the evidence to back up those answers. So all of that had to take place first. Could it have started sooner? Absolutely. But here we are. All right. Everybody, we will be right back after this quick message with the listener-submitted good news. If you have any good news you want to send to us, you can do it by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Uh, Stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Na, 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 na
Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to give a shout out to somebody that you love and adore or is a hero locally or in your personal life, or if you want to give a shout out to a local business or an adoptable pet in your area, or you want to play What the Mutt with us, we're experts now, uh, you know, just remove that. I'm going to take a mulligan on that last one where, where we got like one out of six. Take a mulligan on that. Otherwise, we are fantastic at What the Mutt. You send in a photo of your rescue pup, we try to guess what breeds are in there. It's super fun. Uh, Whoopi stories, blanky stories, stuffed animal stories, letters to Santa, letters to the Easter Bunny, anything you want to send us at all, you can do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, oh, this photo from Sarah G, pronouns she and her. Thrilled to finally be able to subscribe after listening on the sly for a long, long while. Getting insurance reimbursement toward the hefty veterinary bills for my beloved Kermit, who has osteosarcoma, is what cleared the way for me to finally support your amazing work. Thank you for all that you do. Sarah G, thank you so much. And hey, don't feel bad for listening on the slide. This is a free show. It's a free show. Uh, but we appreciate our patrons. Patrons, you get this feed ad-free. And then you get to join us for our every, you know, bi-monthly happy hour Q&A, AMA extravaganza, where I answer your questions and give you the latest news. And then we have the bonus weekly wrap-up for patrons, too, where I wrap up the week's news in a very quick 10, 15, 20 minutes. And that is unscripted, unedited, and raw. So thank you very much to our patrons. And thanks to everyone who's listening on the slide. We love you. Uh, and this puppy is amazing. My friend, a good friend of mine, Tara, has a couple of these brindle greyhound rescues. But this Kermit is beautiful. And wishing Kermit the speediest recovery and all of the healing vibes in the universe. Oh, look at that sleepy puppy with the nose. I want to boop it. Oh, and then one with the tongue out. Okay, so this dog has this just personality off the charts. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you for that. Next up from Stephanie, pronouns she and her. Hello, AG and DG. Sending love from NC, North Carolina, North Kakalaka. I stumbled across your podcast a few months ago, and I've been thoroughly enjoying it, as well as Jack and Clean Up on Aisle 45, all the pods. You make even the bad news bearable. Thank you so much, Stephanie. One time somebody said they could fall asleep to me listening to the news, reading the news, and they called it the shit show lullaby. I love that. Stephanie goes on to say, I'm also currently listening to the whole Muller She Wrote podcast. Still have a lot to go. I love listening and getting some laughs, although it's a bit frustrating already knowing how it ends. Yeah, right? Just wanted to say I love you both and appreciate all you do. Attaching pics of our sweet girls, Piper and Coda. Enjoy guessing. I have very limited background on them. Piper has a few years on Coda, so we like to call her our grumpy old lady. But we know she loves her little sister, even when she decides it's time to play at 6 a.m. LOL. Okay, look at these babies. (gasps) Okay, so we've got, that looks like one of those Italian Mastiffs. I've never, ever used, a guest an Italian Mastiff on this show. Um, But also Lab, German Shepherd Dog, Pity, Staffy. And chow. I'm writing these down so I can remember what I just said. Oh, and there's a brindle pup in there too. Look at that baby. There's a healer in there somewhere. Oh, there's no answers. So I got 100% right. I'm 100% right. Thank you very much. All right. Next up from Mom Radcliffe. I just wanted to shout out to my author daughter at E.G. Radcliffe, who has earned some nice recognition for her YA fantasy trilogy, especially the final book in the set modeled here with her cat, Sushi. Sushi is on, under, and next to something, so happy to pose for the camera. Her dad and I are so proud of her hard work on these books and thrilled to see 
Perfect Strangers Taking Notice. It's called The Wild Court by E.G. Radcliffe. It's a YA fantasy trilogy, and the th- I'm guessing the third book is The Wild Court. Absolutely wonderful, and the cat looks very proud as well. Thank you for that, and shout out to E.G. Radcliffe. Yay. Next up from Simone, pronouns she and her. Been having a really bad year at work due to staffing issues, but yesterday I fell in love with my job all over again. I manage group homes for people with intellectual disabilities. One of my residents, male, went on an early Valentine's Day lunch date with his longtime girlfriend. When he returned from his date, he was smiling from ear to ear and all giggly. I asked him, how was your date? He told me that she asked him to marry her and he said yes. I asked him, do you know what you have to do now? And he said, yes, I have to buy her a ring. They both have Down syndrome. He has early onset dementia and she has terminal respiratory conditions. So uh, when I say I started to cry, I mean, I sobbed with joy. I now get to take the happy couple out ring shopping. Love is love. Simone, that's so fucking fantastic. Thank you for that beautiful story. And congratulations to both of them as well. Next up from Tim from Florida, pronouns he and him. Oh, we have a Florida man. I want to tell you how awesome my wife is later down below. We live next door to an elderly widow for over 12 years. Miss Ruth lived next door on Merritt Island, Florida. We live right on the river and she lived in her house since the 1940s. She's told us stories about when the mail was delivered by boat because the roads weren't paved and the rain made them impassable much of the year. Ruth passed in her sleep just two months shy of her 100th birthday. She always wanted to be a dancer, and we used the attached image on an invitation to her memorial that was held on our boat deck. This is the same boat deck we viewed manatees mating, and I recently sent you pictures of that happening. I'm sharing with you a picture of rose petals floating in the same part of the river where the manatees were humping. We threw the rose petals during Ruth's memorial to honor her spirit and longevity, Ruth was not close to her immediate family, and so my wife, Connie, organized the entire memorial and was the MC for the event. She did an outstanding job as the host, and I just want to give Connie a real special acknowledgement for her selfless efforts to say goodbye to our dear neighbor, Ruth. Oh, it's a beautiful photo. Thank you for that, and thank you, Connie. I absolutely love that. Oh, what a wonderful gesture. From Tim in Florida and his wife, Connie. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody for sending in your good news. I really needed it today. Um, it, it, I'm having a, you know, especially hard day, but I just love the good news that you all send in. So please send it in to us, anything at all that you want to say. You can do so by going to dailybeanspod.com and clicking on contact. Dana and I will be back tomorrow in your ears. Uh, until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q and bring someone with you. I've been AG and them's the beans. Refried beans. I like refried beans. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. 
He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.